This is Drive Time Prop. 30 minutes of jam-packed, up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. The top story, at least here in Georgia, is a South Korean cargo vessel capsized near Jekyll Island. 20 people were safely evacuated. Four more were trapped due to a fire, but the Coast Guard put out that fire has contact with those four people and looks like a rescue is underway. Now, I wouldn't have thought too much about that story as having a larger implication, but a friend of the show messaged me saying it was weird that it was getting, that story was getting pushed like crazy while right on the heels of that terrible, tragic boat fire in California. And it got me thinking that that California boat fire, there was no policy agenda that could be pushed by that. Yes, they can wedge stuff in there. They can use DNA rapid testing. They can try to expand federal oversight, increase regulations. But it just wasn't a main agenda item, and it doesn't didn't play out the way it normally does. There was no hero from the government on the scene. They don't really know what went on. If it was cell phones being charged, they definitely don't want people being afraid of cell phones. So I looked into it. I revisited the boat thing or followed up on that. And it ends up that the FBI is raiding the offices of the company that owned it. Mean, And that like struck me as kind of hostile because I, I would be highly surprised to find that they were actively resisting or not cooperating, especially since the boat passed all of its inspections, like within days of this launch, and they were notorious for being safety conscious. So it doesn't seem like there's that much left for them to do, but they don't like it. And I, and it seems to me that they're in kind of uh, redemption mode a little bit. They did file a preemptive lawsuit against potential people who might sue them. Who, who's that? The company that owned the boat. A preemptive lawsuit they, they against filed a people. Pre, yeah, a preemptive lawsuit that would make it very, very hard for them to have any liability if they were to be sued by the families of the victims. So that triggered a lot of the a lot oh. of this raiding that's going yeah, that, on, I believe. That would be quite a clever trick if they could, if they that, could yeah, just that w- that's get ahead of that. That's something yeah. you can apparently do. I was re- haven't gotten too deep into it yet, but there's a couple of precedents where people have done that. And the thing about what you said about Apple is interesting. I hadn't thought about this because two Apple employees were among the 34 that died on the boat. That that made, a, made me think about the Apple chargers and Apple's unleashing its new iPhone 11 allegedly this week, and they don't want that bad press. The only people I saw identified so far, I didn't catch that Apple people. Were they not identified by name even? Says two Apple employees. Yeah, I wonder about that. But the two people whose names were released was a father and a daughter, and the daughter worked for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife or some government agency. And I thought the only people we are going to have access to are relevant 
government employees from a relevant agency. And yeah. that made me wonder because you don't normally these massively advertised tragedies that always have that policy agenda ready to go. All the questions are answered before the first story is written. You get the names of all those people. You get their pictures. You get their grieving relatives. You have everything is ready for you, or at least a select group of people who are going to tell you the narrative with the tears. This is not present here. Yeah, and the names would be available to them. It's not like they wouldn't be available to them. So they are – Be available to whom? To the company. Maybe that's why they're – one of the reasons why they're subpoenaing. But they would know who was on I that don't... ship. I don't understand what you're saying. The names of the people who are on the boat would right. be available to the company who sold them tickets or who gave them a spot. But or to, to the press. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's not like they don't know who it is. They know who was on the boat. Yes, yes. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. But they don't – they're not releasing the names wholesale like they normally do. And I think they – A, it, there's probably real privacy issues – with these tragedies that if you are going to release all that stuff, it, it kind of has to be buttoned up, I would think, right away. And furthermore, if if there's no story, ready prepackaged story to promote, you want to control it. So you're not going to give it unwarranted press. You're not going to give it the just unfettered access of the press to the families who might have a variety of opinions. It appears that they have given the names today in Time Magazine or People Magazine. Just now? Uh, earlier today, I just saw it. I don't, I haven't read through it, but it says here's a list of the California boat fire victims. So oh, okay, but it, I, but I, I haven't seen like I haven't the either. grid yeah. of the photos. Right? Yeah, on that's the what I was about CNN to say. Exactly. Page. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I, I, so you can investigate and find out, yeah. but I just feel like. The only na- why did that article release only these two names to me? You yeah. know, I only I, I read agree. that whole thing, and all I know is if I want to talk to a person, it's going to be somebody who works for the Fish and Wildlife Company yeah. uh, agency. What the media typically does when they're pushing an agenda is they they will personalize a couple of individual stories and they'll blast them all over the news, like you're saying. And they didn't do that in this case. And it took a long time, and now all it is is anonymous Apple people who maybe are in that list. I don't know. And this and the wildlife people who probably are, you know, well known to the people who are now trying to control the story. I mean, they raid the stuff. They probably want to take all the records and not just relevant. I'd like to see that search warrant, how how broad based it is. Probably. I mean, after the Michael Cohen episode where millions of irrelevant documents were taken and he wasn't even given a chance to give relevant documents, they just clearly it's for information control or uh, just to get more information than they are entitled to. I wouldn't be surprised if this oversteps its bounds. But, of course, it would be too late by the time you don't right. fight. Maybe you do fight a war in real time, but it didn't look like that was happening. Yeah. Speaking of traveling, there's the airplanes have been in the news lately. Last week there was the guy who sabotaged a plane and he was arrested for sabotaging it, said he did it because of discussions over union low pay. Today, the British airway flights, almost all of them have been canceled because of another labor union dispute. The British Airline Pilots Association, because they want higher uh, wages, they've gone on strike, refusing to fly. Isn't that funny that that story, which you highlighted, is so relevant? Look what happened. I mean, assuming that the U.S. and the U.K., coordinate when they 
pump out their propaganda, you would want to say, you might be like, oh, yeah, like uh, you want these guys to be happy. Right. (laughs) And it's interesting, too, that it's the week of 9-11 and we have these airplane stories and now these these water stories in the news traveling overseas. Hmm. Interesting. And what was that 9-11 article that you saw you were telling me about earlier? There was a study that was released by the University of Alaska that found that the Fire did not cause the collapse of Building 7. Instead, they say that it was caused by a global failure involving near simultaneous failure of every column in the building. This is the thing about Building 7 that's so weird. If if the failures to the columns were based on what some people think common, you know, just your regular narrative, is that the other collapsed building scooped out half that building, in which case it would have toppled over. But simultaneous, I mean, if fire could bring down a skyscraper, which never happened before or after that date, then, I mean, a fire would have, could could affect it simultaneously. But if that wasn't the cause and it wasn't scooped out and tipped over, there's you got to keep investigating. But I have long thought, and I actually, I thought this already, and then I saw two different articles that made an allusion to it, that... Eventually, they're going to want to blame another building collapse on fire. Yeah. Because it's just too obvious. And then that I saw in in an article about that terrible terrible fire in London. Remember that recently, like a couple of years ago, one year ago maybe. Uh it was like a tenement kind of building, but it was a big skyscraper with poor people in it. They told them to stay in the building and a lot of people died because of that. And it was all about like bad building materials. You'll never know the real story because it had too much agenda attached to it. But in an article I read in the Wall Street Journal, it said they wanted to get the fire out before it reached X degrees. The building, the the temperature at which a skyscraper will collapse from fire. And skyscrapers don't collapse from fire because they're made of steel, yeah. and steel doesn't melt in an open air flame ever. So I I just always thought they they have to address that weird fact and I wonder if I mean this eliminates that even as an issue. Well, they'll but I they'll doubt say we'll get that follow-up. I'm sure they'll confront this and that's why they haven't published this yes. in a lot of major mm-hmm. uh, papers over here. I found that in a UK paper. If they have to, they will. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. So, oh, speaking of UK Brexit. I talked about, I I don't know if they call them bills and laws, but the equivalent of a bill was passed and their equivalent of the House last week to say that a no-deal Brexit is no no bueno. They're not going to accept it. And it was, I guess, passed by the House of Lords because now it's a law. So now Boris Johnson's hands are tied. Wait, it's a law? Here's the thing. Last week they passed a a bill, which is now a law. Mm Mm-hmm over the past couple of days, that said, we require Boris Johnson or whoever to request from the EU a 90-day a extension of the Brexit deadline because we need a deal. We can't have a no-deal Brexit. So Boris Johnson said p- perhaps or speculation is that he might actually resign before asking for yet another delay. But here's the the thing that like nobody's talking about, and I obviously identified it coming out of the gate, is that Boris Johnson got Parliament suspended for a month before they passed that thing. So Parliament came back from 
summer vacation. They had a week. They passed this bombshell and denied him the right to a snap election, which is unprecedented that an opposition party wouldn't say, sure, we'll take another election so we can have control. They said, no, we don't want that. (laughs) So all this stuff was set up. And then he had, in a game of chicken, I guess, suspended parliament for a month, which is another unprecedented thing. So now they'll only have a few days between coming back from parliament and the crash Brexit thing. So now that there's a law that they're not allowed, that this guy has to ask for an extension, which the EU would give, presumably, you know, that that's the cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is now, so now it's official that they are, they are demanding that Johnson ask for an extension on Brexit. Interesting. So there's that, yes. Well, speaking of controversies surrounding a nation's leader, Sharpiegate <laughs> continues. The, the Boris Johnson of the U.S. Exactly. The Boris Johnson of the U.S. <laughs> has been in the center of a controversial Sharpiegate story since last week. And Sharpiegate, for those who are unaware of the world's <laughs> dumbest the edge of their story. <laughs> dumbest. Dumbest. I agree. Is so that, dumb it's actually worth talking about. Normally I don't like to talk about dumb stories, but it's so – astoundingly dumb that Anderson Cooper on a primetime CNN show spent time, spent time on this probably more than once. They've dedicated hours <laughs> upon hours to it. Well, that's funny because he said, I wonder how much time, how much time Trump, Trump spent on it. Right. Yeah. Not, probably not as much as you did. <laughs> so Sharpie gate is they're accusing Trump basically of maliciously lying to everybody in the country by drawing an extension of a weather map that he showed on television trying to back up his claim his his lie that the media says that the uh, that the hurricane hurricane dorian might affect alabama and so they were up in arms saying he lied to the american people and there was a back and forth and then a few days ago the national oceanic and atmospheric administration provided weather maps and information from the dates in question and they said that this demonstrates that tropical force winds from Hur- hurricane dorian could have impacted florida so they backed up trump's claim as a federal agency so could have impacted alabama uh, alabama sorry yes and then the story instead of becoming well maybe we were wrong maybe it could have impacted alabama became not only did trump maliciously lie not only did he deny science, he forced a federal agency that he controls to lie to the American people about his malicious claim. And now today they are they have someone, a scientist, investigating the NOAA and the possible coercion that Trump used to get them to back up his claim. Wow. That's they're, a big deal. They're going they're for really, it. They are going I was thinking about that Dorian thing. I noticed this last week and again this week that the stuff that uh, on the North American continent that really was devastating about it was power outages. Oh, my father never allowed me to say that. I don't know. Power failure. He's like, outage is not a word. <laughs> okay. So power failures. And after Bridgegate, do you remember what Bridgegate is? Is that Chris Christie? Yes. Chris Christie was actually implicated in it, but I don't think he he was the one who did it. I think it was someone who was trying to get to him. I don't think he knew anything about it. But they slowed down traffic on the bridge to punish someone, him, I guess, politically for no reason at all. So they used the power of government for political purposes, and that is just in evidence. So when the only damage story 
where the biggest inconvenience, the biggest problem of Dorian was something that is squarely in the control of a highly regulated industry, then I just kind of, I wondered. What's crazy about this, them calling him, saying that he's forcing them to do it and now opening up an investigation, is that they released the weather maps pointing to the evidence of it. So it's not like they just made like a a vague – they said here are the weather maps. So this is very much 2 plus 2 is 5, I think. Uh It just shows it doesn't matter what happens. The narrative is predetermined, and they're going to spin it to fit that narrative either way. Well, one one narrative that comes up, and they just don't go to the real stuff – is so it just demonstrates that they they aren't actually again they aren't actually interested. It's there's a bunch of things on. Uh, I, I was reading an article by Jamie Dupree on the WSB website, and he talks about like the six things on Congress's agenda. Two of them are gun gun control, but one of them is these accusations of corruptions towards the Air Force using Trump's Scottish resort yeah. as a stopover place. It was completely within the dollar value and all that of what they could. It was a little inconvenient, but then they said, well, nothing else was booked and all that. I think it shows it is definitely that creates the appearance of impropriety. And I think what Trump should have done was let them stay there free. Yeah, He should have just not charged them. If it was really that situation, he should have just not charged them. And then the other two things. Wouldn't the that- story, though, there then be that he's giving benefits to them over other like things? Like bribery? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But if they were really desperate and they could prove it. Right. But the other two issues that came up were Pence and Barr doing similar things. And uh, with, with Pence. He stayed in – similarly, stayed in a resort in Ireland that the CNN guy said yeah. looks and feels like corruption. <laughs> was, and that and that was widely quoted. I mean I found that in local newspapers. I found that everywhere. Yeah, and CNN would know what looks and feels like corruption. <laughs> because they're in on it or because they, that's They've, all they do. Yeah. Well, but the bar thing was, was, a, was a, a departure from it in that – Bar and this is where it comes in that they don't really care about the real story. Barr's scandal is that he's having a thirty thousand dollar Christmas party for two hundred people, which isn't that crazy. But at the at the DC hotel now, for me, that's a favor Trump is giving to Barr because that place, no doubt, is overbooked a year in advance for Christmas parties in DC. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. So that is like a – I mean, it might be the other way, exactly what you're saying, like where oh, – yeah. isn't that Trump giving them a favor? Yes, yeah. that w- that is Trump giving him a favor. But the fact that he owns that D.C. hotel, which is a totally illegal thing for him to do. You cannot have a government lease when you're an elected official. It is crystal clear. I don't know why they, nobody pursues it. It was – a very controversial lease to bestow on him in the first place. It actually generated a lawsuit from the bidder who felt they that who made a better bid. So why did Trump get this? Diane Feinstein's husband is on the board of the company that gave it to him. This is stuff that is they sh- they can take it away from him if they want to, yeah. but they don't even talk about it because, like you said, it's not about the actual issue. Yeah. So let me tell you the other kind of quick hits, and some of them we have. Stuff to add, but on Congress's agenda, Jamie Dupree said, yeah, it's like this. They're looking into the Air Force thing. 
They have to do a clean, quote, short-term, or quote, clean, unquote, end quote, short-term funding bill just to get that insane, uh, that crazy budget through. You know, they're just details. It's a technicality, really. But it is the continuing resolution that Obama lived on for years when he was first in office. But it'll get rubber stamped and signed, and I'm not worried about, I'm not, you know, that's not going to be a story, I don't think. They are trying to establish the process for impeachment proceedings. Mm-hmm. So that's, that I guess is the, as you're going into an election year, we're one year away from an election. Is that real? You know, maybe they're, they're queuing it up for when Trump is reelected. I think that's a good possibility. I think right now, reading the Indivisible Guide, th- this is strictly to continue to mobilize people, is to give them the hope of impeachment. Uh, yeah. And how does that, how does that tie in to the prospects of Democrats winning? They wouldn't even care. Well, like, the, isn't it the debate this week? Yeah. The idea is like they have the debates this week and the, what the agenda is kind of like, uh, I think it's like a cheat sheet for what the debate's going to be about, what they're pushing forward. So they'll talk about impeachment. They'll talk about guns and all the other stuff in the agenda. I think they use the impeachment stuff because they've been promising these people they're going to impeach for two years in order to get them to donate and to get them to come to their rallies and stuff. And I think they have to continue to give the appearance of doing that. It certainly appeals to the people who rub their hands together for retribution yeah, or what yeah, they perceive. Yeah. You know, they like that. But the the gun stuff that was on the that is on the agenda there's various gun legislation, as we know, probably they act like this idea of mental health laws and red flag bills and stuff is a Republican thing, that it's a way to avoid real gun legislation. Of course, in my mind, that is the agenda for this multifaceted, uh, the sky's the limit dialectic of gun rights advocacy versus gun control. but. The thing that that is a tell in my mind is Mitch McConnell says we won't Senate won't even bring to the floor gun control legislation unless it's pre-approved by Trump. <laughs> and he already said all, he was going to do all this stuff. I mean, he wants to he wants to to take away the dividing line between kids and adults. And that that's just to me the stuff that he wants is even scarier than the stuff then what do you mean he wants I mean, to take gu- away the dividing line well there's a, i do think it's scarier than like a gun gun control legislation will will prompt open debate for sure the red flag stuff where it, 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 even if they don't take your guns away it is a it is a, a registry it is a registry of people who have guns and a registry of people who can be can later be labeled as being mentally incompetent without any trial or anything like that. But he also want Trump mentioned that he does not want people to be able to look back uh, to be able to close their record when they gain adulthood. So if anything happened in your youth, right, yeah. you have to continue to live with that, which of course will have a devastating effect on kids' psyches as bad, I think as, I mean, not for as, as a large population, but as bad as this screen induced psychosis. So say you've got a kid with screen induced psychosis, which is going to, is real. I mean, I think that the child psychology, adolescent psychiatry and stuff 
industry is going to go through the roof or is right now. So then you take your kid to the psychiatrist for that. And you end up with the situation where that is then in your kid's record. Yeah. So, so if you don't, if you worry that like privacy protections are going away, you don't want to get your kid help. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then you have these things that trigger psychosis. It's like taking away attorney client privilege or priest penitent confidentiality. That stuff, those are your protections. Those are your rights. Those are the resources you have to fight the machine. And this is what I was saying before, like that, those privacies plus this idea of being like the technology constantly watching you is what I'm going to call the, the, um, the civil liberty white earth effect, where at a certain point, if you don't have privacy and you can't communicate privately, it makes the idea of like a revolution impossible. So like you can't, if you can never think for yourself, if they have penalties against thinking for yourself, if you're, if you are scrutinized constantly and if you cannot get help for the psychosis that all of this induces, I mean, you're, you're just paralyzed. There's no, I mean, I really think that this is a pervasive plan that is people aren't even aware of. Uh, even the self-censoring, because when people start to think that they're always watching, either they're going to say, well, I don't care, or they're going to start self-censoring and not communicating in sideways ways. You know what I mean? They're oh, be yeah, direct. it might change be, the culture like that. And that that will affect you psychologically if you're always like everything is being held on the inside. Yes, I think that all of this stuff is is – Going to create problems, it is – they don't care about the problems where they like them. It is going to keep people from being politically active in an effective and, like you said, straightforward, honest, self-righteous way. Mm-hmm. Then the only people who are willing to take action are the people who really may be pathological, may be frustrated, may be yeah. you know, uh, over the edge, may not really understand that we have a right. You know, you're not going to have the founders of the – of the United States, the guys who were lost everything and were hung for these enlightenment principles, you're going to, and, and if the censorship and the information control is as these government documents we've seen, if it actually turns into that, they do, as we know, cause I've said it a thousand times, they enhance dysfunctional subcultures. Uh-huh. We see that. So when they brought identity politics to the right, they created where so when they swapped out Ron Paul for Trump, so Ron Paul had all these people like I'm I'm mad as hell and I'm not gonna take it anymore. Yeah. They're like, Okay, channel your anger into this guy. Right. Who is just a is just a partisan, maybe not even Republican or Democrat, but he's just a guy who said and everyone says this is what they like about him, he talks back. Right. This is a guy who's gonna fight back. Right. This is a guy who's mad too. Which it's is like, no, now with the appeal, that's not what you need. This is now the same appeal to the left is happening. That's why they love AOC. That's why yes, Elizabeth yes. Warren is, I'm going to fight. All oh, that's Yes. This is, so the so, whole yeah. thing, it went from Tea Party to Trumpian to, they just take these levers. But if you look at it, none of them is, is, the, is based on the sound principles of our founding that were delivered to us by Ron Paul. Some people are like, oh, Ron Paul's controlled opposition. I don't know. But he's so he's such a, a powerful, limited hangout, if that's the case. Yeah. 
that they actually had to do away with it anyway. You yeah. know, I mean, he had to really bring something that that people believed in. But Trump doesn't doesn't even do that. And and it just brings this identity conflict in place of so when you get people emotional or psycho or whatever, they're really not going to fight for anything valid in which case and they're not going to be able to get the unity of the of the country. You're not going to have all the hearts and minds because it's not it because it, it, then it's truly factional. So even if everybody's mad, they can't get on the same page like they could if all we cared about was the Bill of Rights, because then the entire country would get behind that. Yeah. So the other thing, uh, the, so those that's the gun stuff. The other issue was the trade issue. They said Jamie Dupree said that the trade issue is the is the on Congress's table, but the trade issue seems very small. Like in in September, September first, tariffs increased from ten percent to fifteen percent on one hundred and twenty five billion dollars worth of goods, and on December fifteenth, another one hundred and seventy five billion will be added to that. So a 5% increase, 5 percentage point increase on what will ultimately be only $300 billion. I mean, I just don't think that's enough to bring two economies to their knees, the two biggest economies in the world. But there is an article on the front page of the Wall Street Journal that the Chinese economy does appear to be slowing. So my call to action from Byron, who clearly did not get to (laughs) catch up with our podcast yet, he uh, is... Could the trade war be a not only a a way to blame Trump for our correction, but for China's as well? I really am beginning to be more and more convinced that that's what this is all about, that both that China's economy is slowing and they need cover for that. And we have that comeuppance from 2008 and we need cover for that. We could blame Trump for all of it. And uh, and that makes me think about what's happening in Hong Kong. What What's the latest? There's some more protesters this weekend on Sunday. Hundreds of protesters, maybe thousands, marched to the U.S. consulate to demand that Trump liberate Hong Kong. And shortly after arriving, chaos broke out because they barricaded exits at the subway. And they set it on fire. So they blocked the exits. Then they set it on fire. Then they did. They graffitied the outside of it. They broke windows. And then a bunch of them were chased down and arrested. Now, if you graffiti something or if you block an entrance and then set it on fire, potentially people inside could die. You are going to get chased down by police officers. That's a normal thing to happen. And other citizens. Exactly. We'll chase you down. Right. But that's not how they present that story. They present the story as police brutality is raining over there. They did, they don't give the lead up as to, to what happened. I'm not saying the police are doing the right thing over there. They're right. doing some shady stuff also. They're arresting a lot of young people. But then when you look at why they're arresting young people, it's because it's kind of like when terrorists hide behind children. I'm not saying they're terrorists, but I'm saying they're putting children yeah. on the front lines. And after this story about the police, quote, police brutality, which was triggered by setting fires at a closed-in place, children in Hong Kong, they protested against police brutality, in support of the protesters, and they formed a human chain around their schools wearing black masks to stand in solidarity with the protesters. And these children, like you've talked about before, they don't know what they're protesting. Right. They don't know why they're standing out there. One of the things I saw was that the the movement, the the power behind the scenes there – was 
deliberately trying to get the college students or high school students or both involved, which of course we're seeing that trend all over the place. But I highly recommend people go to the Ron Paul Institute website and see what they've been writing over there about the national endowment of democracy being behind these protests, American involvement in these protests. So now right. when Hong Kong turns around and the protesters ask the United States to get involved, it's really just, that was just a setup. And we are being accused of that by China also. And of course we're saying that it's foolish. Oh, China is saying, yeah. is calling us out on it the it's, way Putin does. Especially yesterday after the march to the United States consulate. And what's really interesting is this very similar again to the protests that went on over here. The demands last Wednesday, the main demand that triggered the whole thing, which was to get rid of an extra a China extradition bill that they believed was going to pave the way to taking away a lot of their rights. They dropped it. It's gone. But and they had suspended that immediately. And right. now they actually scrapped it so that it would have to start over from scratch to get reunited. I mean, they had yeah. given up on that right away. And I know that last week they were like, okay, okay, it's in the garbage. Right. And just like when a couple of years ago, when Trump and Pelosi got together to work on helping yes, DACA, yes, yes. as soon as they did the very thing the protesters had been asking for, yes. the protesters said, none of us are all of us. They showed that they didn't really. <laughs> and the same thing happened here. They said, all of the demands. It's too too little too late for that. We want all of our demands. And you look at their demands, and their demands are very general. Their demands are release all of the prisoners. Everybody you've arrested during these protests, release them all. Give us more freedoms. I can't remember the other two, but they're, they're not concrete enough to actually be accomplished. So it's the same type of thing where it's they, can, they can get people hooked into a movement based on one thing, then broaden it out to where it's vague, and they can just mobilize this group as a weapon anywhere they want. Yeah, that's I, I see the patterns emerging, the parallels, just like you said, and that makes you think that the same people are behind it. Right. I'm not taking sides either or here. I'm just analyzing the protest aspect of it and the similarities here because I know I know people kind of are looking at this in sides. I'm just looking at it as wow, this is this is what's going on here, but a little bit more intense, and I'm worried that we could see some of it here. You can find your Drive Time Prop every weekday at 4 p.m. on thepropport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with a propaganda report feed. We will talk to you all tomorrow.